0: Thank you for tuning in to Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Z-Code Podcast. We're really excited about today's episode. Together with Jake on this show, we have a surprise, a mysterious man, and a hockey legend. Well, he is too well-known in major sports to be named, so for his privacy, let's simply call him Omega. He's a professional athlete, a star goaltender, and an ex-NHL player. That's right, Omega, the legendary NHL ex-goalie, is back at Z-Code, stronger than ever with his new live betting systems and insights that he is about to share with you. Omega's main principle is, give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day. Teach him to fish and you will feed him for a lifetime. He is here not just to give you picks, but also to share his insights, his systems, and of course, his motivation to drive you to success. You will be surprised how much value is packed into this long interview. So sit back, relax, and grab your notebook to take some notes. I'm sure you're going to love it. Without further ado,
1: meet the one and only Omega. First of all, I'd like to thank you so much for taking part in our podcast. It's been a very long time. I believe your last podcast was about four years ago, and I was back with Scott. Uh, I was just wondering how much your betting tactics have changed since then
2: uh thanks for asking jake um betting betting has changed radically uh radically since then Uh, a lot of the systems that i was using and uh, utilizing back then have evolved just obviously as the game and technology has evolved i used to do a lot of um, uh, live play wagering where i'd be looking to select the next team to score and then i noticed when teams were getting power plays, I would cancel out my my bet uh, because one of the books I uses Bet365. So you're able to cash out. And then all of a sudden I started taking a look at, well, Jeepers, a lot of the times I'm cashing out, the teams that are on the power play are scoring. I should look into this. And then I started a power play system just kind of based on some of my live play observations. So the systems that have um, evolved for me uh, the most profitable bankroll building systems are the empty net play and um, the overtime system. <clears throat> the empty net play with uh, Patrick Waugh, when he was coaching the Colorado uh, Avalanche, changed the, the game and changed the way coaches now take a look at uh, pulling a goalie and trying to get a tying goal when they're behind. Mm. I used to make plays back uh, four or five years ago when the team was trailing by one and the coach would pull a goalie the systems that coaches were utilizing back then was they would always wait till 1 minute left in the game and they'd pull the goalie and you had a chance to try to go for the empty net play and but with only 1 minute remaining the success rate of the empty net plays back then was less than 50% because just a minute minute of time is not a lot of uh, a lot of time <clears throat> With Patrick Waugh, when he started pulling the goalie uh, when they were down by two and pulling it as early as three minutes remaining, that changed the game. And if you give an NHL team two and a half to three minutes to try to score an empty net, there's a high probability of success. And the great thing is that the odds, the odds are always fantastic. The odds are usually in the neighborhood mm-hmm. of anywhere from 190. To upwards of 250 and 260 if uh, if a dog is the one who's uh, getting the empty net goal. That's my favorite bankroll system. There's a couple of different ways to, to play that, Jake. The safest way is you play a total. So let's just say we're going into the third period and the score is 4-2. So there's going to be an empty net play coming up you have to make that play on bet three six five before five minutes left in the period after five minutes actually sorry if you're playing a total you can actually probably go down to about four and a half minutes so let's just say the game is four two and now what you're going to play is over six and a half so the odds that you're going to get for that play because it's a little bit more conservative you're probably going to get anywhere from 160 to maybe 174 so those odds are still okay for a high success play now you've got two options you don't care if the team that's pulled the goalie scores or if the team that is up by two if they score it doesn't matter you're just going for the over total that's the safest way to play another more conservative approach is you're playing the two the two goal uh, down by two goals the team pulls a goalie and you can play a team total. So let's just say the team that is uh, looking to score on the empty net. If they haven't scored in the third period, then you'd play them over 0.5 for the third period. If they've scored a goal in the third period, then you'd play them over one. If they scored two goals in the third period, then you played them over two and a half, etc. You have to make that play before five minutes. The odds you're going to get on that, depending on the team, if it's a heavy favorite or a dog, you're usually going to get anywhere from 175 to about 190. So still not bad. But my favorite favorite way to play it is the more aggressive odds is you just play the team to score the next goal. So the odds you're going to get, you you can make that play all the way down to the four-minute mark. You have to be quick. You know, make sure. I usually like to jump on that play about four and a half uh, minutes because it takes about anywhere from five to seven seconds for the bet to process. So the odds that you're going to get consistently on those are over two. And if you have a dog that's uh, winning by two, you can be getting nice juice odds of anywhere from 250, and I've had it up as high as 280 where I've got not for an empty net goal. Now those obviously they don't win all the time, but through my success over the last two years, I'd say, and I think you guys can tell by the amount of times I post on the wall, the empty net play wins, I'm winning usually over 80%. And it has really spoiled me because to have a success rate of over 80% on anything with odds of two and over, that builds your bankroll pretty quick. That's become my favorite uh, life investing profile.
1: That's uh, absolutely fantastic. And 80% win rate is phenomenal and not many people can even brag about that um i was just wondering in terms of uh obviously the win rate is 80 percent. have you ever considered doing a progression system for that or you just like to do flat betting
2: i in all, in all honesty jake i just flat bet it because i to me that i play so many live plays throughout the throughout the course of a game or throughout the nhl night i don't care like, I don't care if I don't hit one because I'll have an overtime play coming up or I'll have a power play system coming up. So it's really easy for me to just recoup if I've suffered a delay. But if you are just strictly you know, like I know some of the folks on Zico will be limited because their books don't offer these type of things. If you are playing a, a, a an empty net system and that's all that you're focusing on, then, yeah, you, you can easily just do some sort of a grid system or some sort of progression system.
1: All right. Um, so obviously you have your fair share of being a goalkeeper in the NHL back in the day. Um I've read somewhere that recently the NHL has been sort of changing the way goalkeepers have their own gear. It's been getting smaller and smaller and then uh, that has an impact in a sense on the amount of goals being scored in matches. Uh, is that somewhat true or what's your input on that?
2: i think it definitely it definitely has a a little bit of it to it uh jake i mean the the way the game is being played uh teams are much more offensive focused i mean I'm not a big guy who studies all these coursey metrics et cetera but if you take a look at in the in the n h l there's there's a handful of coaches that when a team is down by three goals they'll be pulling a goalie even with five minutes left in a period that that when you have things like that going on in the game, that definitely makes the totals go up. But for sure, the goal to, uh, the size of the goaltender's you know gear has uh, been reduced this year, and that uh, I would say is definitely it's Probably I could I could say it's probably been a tri- easily to be attributable to an extra goal, uh, extra goal a game, mm. um, and and the style. A lot of the style going back oh four or five years ago. Uh, they used to call the dead puck era, where teams would be playing a lot of neutral zone traps. And what that means is that when the teams are trying to break out, the neutral zone between the two blue lines and center ice was so clogged that opposition teams would have a hard time getting the puck into the into the offensive zone. Today, the speed of the game, and there isn't such a focus on these type of trapping systems, which has really opened up the game. And it allows the 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 player's more freewheeling offensive style of play, which has also contributed to the goals. And in all honesty, the game itself, if you take a look at a lot of the players, a lot of the players are younger and they're faster. And the speed of the game, I think, has also opened up things where that's why we're seeing a lot higher goals, uh, goal totals per, per game as well.
1: Right. So obviously we're talking about the whole... Whole of NHL. I'm not sure if you do any other leagues uh, aside from that in the North America, but as far as I remember, you mentioned that you don't actually deal with any uh, Russian matches. Could you sort of elaborate on what's the difference between the the Russian leagues and the NHL in terms of like how predictable they are in terms of goals and your tactics sure. that you utilize?
2: Sure. Um, One one more, before I answer that question, Jake, one more uh, system that I'll share on the NHL side of things uh, is our overtime system. And then I'll also answer how that relates to the other leagues in terms of uh, Russia, etc. So another steady bankroll uh, system that is really easy to play is when a game goes into overtime. Now, you got to understand, the in the NHL, they came up and they designed three-on-three hockey for the overtime because the NHL prefers to have the game settled in overtime and not go to a shootout. Mm. So there's a high probability of success that you give really talented offensive players all that room on the ice that they're going to settle the game in in overtime. So the books have adjusted the odds. When I first started playing this overtime system – at the beginning of an overtime period the game to not go into a shootout the odds used to be 160 right off the start now as the time ticks by i used to wait 35 seconds 40 seconds and i'd be getting odds anywhere from 180 to 190 and then i'd make the play that the game wouldn't go into a shootout now the books have adjusted because they've seen how many games get settled so on Bet365, which is my primary book for these live plays, the pregame odds now when the game goes into an overtime for to not go into a shootout is usually 140. So I'm not interested in playing anything that low. So you have to wait to let the odds build. Now, since I've shared the overtime system on, on Zcode, I've noticed that Bet365 is waiting longer for me to get the desired 170 to 180 odds. It used to be by the time one minute uh, one minute expired, so that there's four minutes left in overtime, you used to get 180 odds at that four minute mark. Now I'm noticing it going all the way down to about three and a half minutes. So the algorithms have already made a 30 second adjustment. I don't know if that's because of the frequency of uh, that type of play being played on Bet365 or they're just noticing uh, a high win rate, but they've made an adjustment. Even still going down to three and a half minutes left to get my 180 odds, it's still a very, very profitable play. So you gotta wait to let the odds build. I recommend uh, taking 170 as soon as you see it. And that'll happen about the three and a half minute mark and you just make a play that the game won't go into a shootout and that's a high success, uh, uh high success win rates on that particular play now talking about the other leagues i play the overtime system uh, and the empty net system i play that in the nhl i play that in the american hockey league and i played it in the german hockey league Um, there's a few other european leagues that i'm monitoring that uh, they mimic more what the NHL coaches do where they pull the goalies with around two and a half minutes left. But uh, I've warned uh, the folks we were talking about Russian hockey, uh, the KHL and the Russian leagues are so conservative when it comes to pulling a goalie. A lot of the times, if a team is down by two goals, they won't even pull a goalie. So I've learned the hard way that you don't play those leagues uh, on the empty net strategy. It's a different mentality, it's much more conservative, it's much more defensive. Uh, If the teams are up by one lead, they play a very, very stifling defensive brand of hockey and they basically try to ride the one goal lead to the end of the game. They're not interested in getting the empty net goals. The German hockey leagues are fantastic, they mimic a lot of what the NHL do and they are one of my favourite European leagues to play the, the empty net strategy.
1: Okay, so... There's also one more system that you've mentioned to me before, and that's the NHL shutdown strategy. Could you elaborate to the listeners what that strat is about?
2: Yes, uh, that's kind of the the opposite of taking the the, uh, empty net play. So what I've noticed, there's a lot of teams... That now, and you, that'll, you'll notice that now getting more and more into, for example, uh, the last 20 games of this NHL season when teams are battling for playoff spots and also when it goes into playoffs. If a team has a one goal lead, so let's just say uh, we'll just pick Washington and New York because they just finished playing. Washington is leading New York by 3 2, and there's 10 minutes left into the third period. In the last quarter of a season and getting into playoffs teams will play a real strong defensive brand of hockey to basically shut shut the game down and to try to get a win so what i will do on that situation is basically play you take a look at the the books and with the last 10 minutes they will say let's just say the score is three two uh the book will basically give you a total of under six and a half or over six and a half and i will play the under Mm -hmm. basically knowing that the team is going to shut down and it still gives you the opportunity if they're winning by three two and the total is over six and a half or under six and a half you you can take the under and what happens is if the team pulls a goalie and the you know, the team that's leading scores an empty, empty net goal, you still fall into that total of the under, and you win your bet. That's a, a, a play that I usually like to incorporate into my life play systems when it comes into the last quarter of a season or going into the playoffs.
3: Mm.
2: Teams are much more conservative, especially going into the playoffs. All right. <laughs> We're getting through it. <laughs> um, one of the more profitable a, it's a real, real profitable system. Is the power play system? Mm. The power play system that I play—it's real tough one to to explain just by writing uh, writing on the forum. Power play systems are—if you take a look at NHL.com, where you just Google teams that have the best power play percentages—you can get many great sites that give you information, and you take a look, and you can see all the teams that have the best power plays. Now, what I like to do is I like to play teams that have minimum above 20% power play percentage. So that means when they get a power play, they score at least 20% of the time. Teams in the NHL, when they are on a power play and have power play success, are very, very streaky. Even some of the best teams will go, you know, on runs where they're 0-4, 15, 0-4, 17 power play attempts. You want to avoid them when they're in the, when they're in the, in the slump. But when they are hot, that's when you want to take a look at playing them because you can make some great, great money, especially jumping on teams playing power plays in the second period and third period of hockey games. Um, some of the more profitable teams in my power play system are Tampa, Florida, Boston, Colorado, Winnipeg, Calgary, San Jose, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Washington, um, Toronto. Even though they're even though they're a crappy team, uh, I've had great success with Ottawa this year on the power play system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia has been a, a pretty hot team as of late. The teams that you want to avoid at all costs—I don't care how many opportunities they get—I will not play. <clears throat> One of the so-called better teams in the league, Nashville. They got a pathetic power play percentage, and I don't think they're going to do anything this year in the uh, Stanley Cup. You can be a great hockey club, but when your special team percentages are brutal, you're not going anywhere. I will not touch Columbus. I will not touch Nashville. I will not touch Los Angeles. I will not touch Montreal. I will not touch Anaheim. And the one that's really funny to me is Dallas. They got a bunch of uh, offensive uh, snipers on their team. but. They, Another team I won't touch. So if you're experimenting with the power play percentages, do not touch those teams. you will just cost you a lot of money.
1: Now, right, so stay away, basically.
2: Stay, stay away. The the power play percentage uh, I like to take a look at my pregame scout scouting reports is I'll take a look at the matchups and I take a look at the team's power play percentage and the team and the opponent's penalty kill percentage. If you can see a discrepancy of anywhere from seven to ten percent difference between the power play and the penalty clip percentage, you got a nice edge there. And then you know also if the team is riding a hot streak where they're scoring at least one or at least one power play goal per game, basically you're just running a, prog- a progression throughout the game that they're going to get a power play. So I use uh, bet three six five. Now, my starting stake for these type of plays is always $850. So let's just say the score is 0-0. It's in the second period. Washington gets a power play. I'm going to play them to score the first goal. If they don't score on the power play, Bet365 allows me to cash out. So I cash out. But you're going to get hit with some juice. So on my $850 play, when I cash out, I'm usually getting about six hundred and eighty to six hundred ninety dollars back. So it's basically costing me almost two hundred dollars to make that play. And then you just run your progression throughout the throughout the the game um, if you if you obviously if you don't hit a power play, you're playing a team and you don't if they've had two, three, four chances and you're not hitting it you you know you can suffer uh, suffer some losses. But I've been doing this long enough that I find throughout the course of the night when I'm tracking a team for my power play, I I hit at a very high rate. Going into the third period is my favorite period to play the power play system because the odds that you get from Bet365 are real juicy, usually anywhere from 220 to 260 to pick up a power play goal in the third period. So it doesn't matter if I've suffered a few losses throughout the course of one game, two games, it takes me one power play hit throughout the course of the night, and I'm in some real good profit zone.
1: There was uh, an observation which I made recently in regards to the third period. Um, especially for matches in KHL, you know, you're know, usually going to have, like, uh, let's just say, an over of 4.5 goals in the whole match. And let's just say going into the third period, you're going to have a score of 1-1, and the odds are going to be still very relatively low for an over of 4.5, expecting you know at least uh, those additional three goals in the last period. It seems like the last period is the most, the the one with the most uh, most goals in general. Is that somewhat true? Or?
2: Um, you know what? Um, I off the top of my head, I, I can't answer that, Jake, in the sense of. I have a friend, uh, a sports investing friend, who did a study for me on that. And actually, uh, I just can't remember it. It doesn't come to me off the top of my head. Where he took a look at, in the NHL, the amount of goals that were scored in the first period, second period, third period, and found which periods were the most, uh, had the higher score percentage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not 100% certain, Jake, but in his data that he shared with me, I think he found that the second period was the one that was the highest.
3: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, that that was just a personal question because it's a personal observation. I don't know how how true it was, but I figured I would ask you because you would know. <laughs> well, I mean, you well, have all the me, stats in the world, so yeah.
2: To me, uh, to me, if I, if I, to me, logically, just based on my experience, because of how I'm wired to play the empty net plays, I feel like, and this is not this is more anecdotal, is I feel that. <laughs> My experience has been this year that yes, I've probably witnessed more goals being scored in the third period. But mm-hmm. I, I don't have that empirically for you.
1: So that's just your natural instinct.
2: <laughs> yeah, because because I'm so wired to be looking for the empty net plays, right? So all my wins all my wins seem to happen a lot in the third period on empty net plays, so it feels like there's a lot of goals being scored.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, we're gonna move away from NHL for a bit. Um Obviously, you're a phenomenal statistician. You you have so many you have so many different strategies for betting, and I want to talk to you about one specific strat, which is the Australian League. You've yes. mentioned it a couple of times recently, and we're moving on to soccer right now. This is a very interesting one because obviously soccer is very popular popular one and you know there's a lot of goals in A-League so if you yep. could run us through the whole system of how you do it what you're looking for
2: Absolutely um I I love Australian Australian soccer not even A-League but just if you take a look at all the leagues Australian uh, women's leagues uh, the the um, the junior leagues even just uh she on bet365 when it shows up all the schedules Australian exhibition soccer It just seems like the brand of football that the Aussies play is very offensive. They love to score goals, and I love that. And I just noticed it, like, looking at my live plays and watching. Jake, I I think I've been just given uh, a bit of a God-given gift. I've been watching, and we we talk about this, the study of um, of, uh, outliers, putting in 10,000 hours into something. I've been spending so much time watching games and sports uh, on Bet365, on different sports books, and Bet365 in particular, because of all their live play modeling, I think uh, the way my mind is wired, I've been able to spot patterns. And one of them was just watching all these soccer games in Australia, going, holy smokes, look at all the goals these guys scored. (laughs) And then started watching, and and really what triggered me, I was just watching the A-leagues and I was going, man, these guys score all the time before 40 Uh minutes. And I'm like, okay, started watching, started watching. I'm like, this happens all the bloody time. I got to start playing this. (laughs) So then I started playing, okay, over 0.5. I let the odds build Uh, So you take a look at goal before 40 minutes, and I let the odds build to get to uh, my desired minimum 180. And once they get to 180, I make a play. It's as simple as that, just on over 0.5. I also noticed that if the goal was scored really, really quick, that I'd be like, okay, well, I'll play over one and a half before 40 minutes or wait. If, if the match looks like I'm watching the live statistics between shots on goal and shots off target, et cetera. If the match looks like it's slowed down, my desired outcome is to try to get, you know, over 0.5 or over one and a half in a full 40 in the first half. But mm-hmm. if i take a look at based on what I'm noticing on the action going in the match, that if it looks like they're going back and forth really aggressively, then I'll play the, you know, goal to happen over 0.5 or over one and a half, before the 40 minute mark that's the first half play if by rare chance that it doesn't happen i I, I can only count on probably one hand this season that i haven't gotten the first half goal then what the play is in the second half i take a look and i let it build to where i get the 180 to score a goal before 70 minutes i will get the, the b bet in where it's over 70 minutes um I've got other plays like uh, last night, for example, I picked up a win in the Aussie A-League before 40 minutes and watching the team, it was a first-place club. They were the visitor. They were getting shut out in the first half. They were getting some opportunities. I knew that somewhere in the course of the game that they were going to score. So I let the odds build in the second half for over one and a half. Once I got to 180, I made my play. Sure enough, uh, they they scored so the the aussie leagues are these are the things that you just need to kind of be aware of and and you got to watch so like i'm sharing the leagues there's a bunch of guys in the forum who are fantastic at bringing awareness to other leagues um colombia is one of my favorite leagues for for goals mls is another one of my favorite leagues for goal uh the england premier league another one of my favorite leagues uh turkey Turkey has become one of my, I'm using basically my Aussie A-League strategies in Turkey and having the same type of success. You want to stick with leagues that you know produce goals. And this isn't a criticism, but there's a lot of plays. And this is just my encouragement to folks to learn and know, even when experts are sharing their information with you, monitor it there's a lot of times that guys will share a play on the wall that I won't play just based on my knowledge that even though I think that, you know, they're, I I respect them. I think they have great win rates. They'll make a play on a team that I know I don't like in terms of the style of play or that. I think there's a low probability of success. So I don't make the play. Um, you, you, you take all the information that I'm given, that other experts are sharing, and I really encourage people to just paper bet it. Uh, I always like to paper betting is is good, but I always like to make sure you know. But even if you're paper betting, throw a dollar at it. Like just there's something different about having money involved when you're making a wager. It's it's a psychological thing that uh, I think people need to get comfortable with. So even if you're learning a new system, throw a dollar at it just to kind of make sure you feel like you're getting some, some traction and you understand what's going on. And I think you feel more vested. Um, but take that system that the expert is sharing with you and you don't have to make every single play if it doesn't feel right to you. If in your own experience that you think that a play is just based on previous knowledge, previous experience, uh, that you don't play, you don't have to play every play that comes on the wall. There's sometimes, I think, uh, for new people that come on to Code, I think there's just so much overwhelming uh, picks and data and knowledge coming at them that have really encouraged them to take a take a step back. I mean, there, there's some days, especially on Saturday, when there's tons of soccer games going on. I mean, there's a, a lot of great experts who are posting multiple plays going on, and you're just watching all these bets going on. There's no way for you to, as a newbie, uh, to jump on and follow every single one. Yeah. And I think the biggest psychological thing that happens is people start to see. Oh, winner here! Winner here! Winner here! Winner here! And then they start—they're getting into the fear of missing out mentality, and they'll all of a sudden start trying to play every play that comes on, and that's when they get themselves into trouble.
3: Mm.
2: You really you really agree gotta, with that. You really got to start slow. You really got to start slow. Uh, follow one or two guys. Follow one or two systems try to adapt it for you, get really comfortable, Get re- like for me, when I was starting to learn soccer, like the funny thing, Jake, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a hockey guy, so I make my bread and butter money playing hockey. I hated soccer. Absolutely hated it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hey, this league makes a lot of goals. I like this league. Hey, this league makes a lot of goals. I like this league. So I started to get comfortable with, Style of play, offensive, you know, offensive attacking teams, uh, playing leagues that score a lot of goals. And then all of a sudden I started to develop my live play systems that were mimicking my success with what I was having with NHL. And then I started to really like soccer. And then I would just basically take what I've been learning from certain leagues and then I'd start to, you know, branch out and incorporate other leagues into my live play uh, arsenal for soccer picks. There's still certain leagues that I won't touch. Uh, Mm -hmm. I as much as as talented as the soccer players are I can't stand playing Brazil I can't stand playing Brazilian leagues because I've lost way too much money in those leagues not enough experience the style the style of play was a conducive I'm sure there's experts on the wall that would laugh at me and say they're having great success but for me personally Brazil is a no-fly zone (laughs) I, (laughs) I don't care for Brazilian soccer
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely agree with you when it comes to sort of following the right systems and getting a feel for things in Z code as well because it is a lot of data it is a lot of experts and you just sort of have to get used to it before, obviously learn to walk first before you decide to run and some people just go straight to running and that's when a, you know, disasters happen and bankrolls get destroyed and we don't want that. And no. Nope. You've been you've seen it all. I mean you've been you've been around for over six years in Z code. Um obviously things have changed a lot recently, especially in the past year. Uh I was just wondering what sort of experts or systems you would recommend for newbies.
2: For for newbies, there's a couple there's a couple that are like really easy to really easy to follow <clears throat> and to understand. Um, Jake, you're you're a fantastic teni- tennis expert. If I was a newbie, uh, I would take a look at following uh, Dan's TSS tennis system just because it's really easy.
3: It's mm-hmm. very it
2: simple to. It's very simple. There isn't a whole lot of uh, games like you know. Th- it's it's very limited in terms of how you can succeed or fail. So there's a, a lot of uh, less downside. Um, if I take a look at uh brendan's ufc strategy that's another one that's very easy to follow very self-explanatory and has a lot of success um i would take a look at myself in terms of the overtime system the empty net system very simple not you know it's not complicated it's very easy to follow with good odds and high high success rate uh there's guys on there who are doing great things um um uh I'm sorry, oh, with uh Cliff and Scotty and old school with what they're doing on their uh, totals on quarters um on basketball. Mm. There there's three sports right there between tennis, uh basketball, uh hockey that are Systems that you can really easily kind of immerse and get your toe in the water in terms of sports investing and live betting that aren't very complicated and shouldn't uh, break your bank while you're trying to learn to get good hmm. um, MLB is coming up uh, I know that uh, I believe uh, I, I mean I apologize if, I apologize if I I don't know who started the system but I know that uh, Cliff and Scott, uh, and I think Brendan do a lot of stuff in the aspect about uh, to score a run in the innings, 2-3-5. Um, there are some systems that, if I was taking a look at from a, a, a person getting into MLB, that I think are pretty easy to follow and that uh, they should have some pretty good success with. For myself, I've I've always hated baseball. The reason why I've hated, I've hated baseball is it takes to uh, it, the way the guys are playing it with getting their wins in, in innings two, three, five, etc. That to me is you know something that's much more attractive to my makeup. I can't stand how long a baseball game takes to play, and it's probably because I've, when I first dabbled into baseball, I can't tell you how many times I had games where I was playing on a money line play, and these guys were going into 15, 16, 17 innings. I'm like, just come on, get the damn game over with. <laughs> It just takes too bloody long. My mind is more wired to be like a day trader. You know, when you make an empty net play, that you know you're going to win or lose within two, three minutes. And, you know, I, I can't stand having something go 17, 18 minutes to figure out, am I going to win or lose yet?
3: Yeah.
1: And it's, a, it's, a, it's funny you mentioned these uh, different sports. Obviously, you did say you hate MLB, but you do make money from it. And this is something that I would like to drill into people's heads because, you know, there is a lot of different systems out there but people tend to put themselves in one single box and you know they come into z code and they say i like football and they are only gonna bet on football and you 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 know you sort of segregate yourself from all the money-making opportunities that you have there it's not about liking the sport it's about making money from it and that's what i believe the mentality needs to change a little bit what's your take on this
2: Oh, Jake, wholeheartedly. This is this is not a hobby. This is a business. To yeah. me, this has become a, a business. I'm when I, when I played hockey, the amount of money that uh, guys were making, you know, the the big the big money contracts weren't weren't around. I mean, my I signed my NHL contract, and when I was playing in the NHL, I'd make one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. Mm. That was big money, you know. Back we're, we're talking. I'm going to age myself here. I mean, but we're we're talking uh, 25 plus years ago. You know, there wasn't a lot of guys making the million dollar. You know, now the guys are it's ridiculous. Like the average guy in American hockey league team now will make a hundred grand at least. You know, the average guy on the on the NHL roster who you know usually sits out, he's making at least six hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm. Back when I was playing, if you were in the minors, you were making. Oh, maybe you know, maybe you were making 45 to 60 grand. That's what the guys were making in the miners. So, you know, I've I make. I don't want to. I don't really want to. Kind of. I want to make it sound like I'm, I'm bragging or anything. But over the course, um, over the course of the last five years, in terms of how my life play uh strategies have allowed me to make a substantial uh income i mean i i withdraw from my books usually on average 25 30k a month wow now that's that's me being cons- you know kind of conservative trying to stay under under the radar and i mean we can talk about uh uh, some of these things that I see questions on on the forum, you know, people talking about, well, how do you you know, make withdrawals and how do you stay under the radar from the books and, and all that sort of thing. Mm. I, I vary my withdrawal amounts from the books, uh, so it's not the same amount every month. Um, I still keep a, a pretty good amount of money in my books so you know when i'm making a withdrawal it's not like i'm taking out uh, 50% 75% of my bankroll it's you know yeah. just a a, a, perc- a percentage of the bankroll and every once in a while what i also do uh, to kind of confuse the guys is i mean i have a successful business as well and as uh revenue comes in i will often take a uh, $1000 here a $1000 there and just deposit it into my into my uh, sports books for shits and giggles, just uh, so that they look like I'm putting money in. So they don't constantly see that I'm taking money out.
3: Uh-huh.
2: So these are you know, some different things uh, that I've done. But to that point about learning and varying sports, there, there's no way i would be able to make the kind of money that I'm making sports investing now. And- <laughs> I know that there's guys that are on Z code that, you know, uh, probably doing bigger amounts of money than me and, uh, have way more spread out. And, um, you know, I mean, I see some of the wagers that are being placed on, on Z code for me, um, my average unit size, I don't like to get too aggressive to kind of, that's another thing that I, I try to stay under the radar. Like with, when you know the success rate that I have with, the empty, net, right, the empty net plays and the overtime systems. I mean, I could be really trying to fleece the books and you know throwing five thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars wagers, mm-hmm. but I think that would get myself red flagged and uh, make them maybe limit me, maybe take a look at uh, what, what I'm doing but you know me being a guy who's only throwing you know 1000 bucks here maybe 1200 1500 dollars i think that helps me to stay under the radar as well so i try i try to kind of be a little bit strategic that way but the to the aspect of of uh, getting outside of your comfort zone and trying to get good at other sports, I mean, if you want to treat this as a business, you you have to take a look at diversifying. You get really, really good at you know something that you have a lot of knowledge with. So for me, hockey was a starting point, and then hockey evolved into soccer. Soccer evolved into football. Uh, now I'm incorporating tennis. Uh, and, uh, MLB has always been a a, a part of things. Um, I was laughing at the most bizarre thing I've uh, <laughs> I've bet on and was ping pong. I never thought <laughs> I'd be betting on ping pong, but uh, <laughs> I saw I saw Dan introduce some ping pong system, and I made a couple of plays on it, and uh, we won a few bucks. And I was like, "What the hell am I doing betting on ping pong?" <laughs> but the one the one thing that uh, I haven't dabbled yet. Too, which uh, i see a lot of you guys on and i'm going to have to take a look at and just get out of my comfort factor is this whole esports thing that mm. uh that looks like uh you guys are starting to have some phenomenal success with and that'll be i guess probably my next evolution into another vertical
1: wow that would be what well, you would definitely you would definitely wake up a lot of people especially the older guys who are sort of less open-minded about it but you know it's the the industry is changing, and it, it's it's fascinating to see how much esports has uh, developed over the past few years. I mean, just today there was a tournament, and there was uh, close to two million people watching it, and that wasn't even televised. So we're talking people oh. watching online.
2: Absolutely. When I'm ta- when I'm talking about hearing uh, hearing. Uh, actors and uh rap artists and all that like buying teams and uh, sponsoring teams and hearing about these guys who are playing video games making half a million bucks a month and like there's something ridiculous going on there and uh hey money is money if i can increase my bankroll with whatever it's going to be and uh get comfortable understanding and knowing and have the same type of success rates uh with what i'm doing in other sports i'd be crazy to ignore it
1: hmm. I actually have a another question for you and we're, we're not following the the path of the questions which I've written up for you at all but no you know the ideas are just coming into my head and I'm really curious to see what your perception is on the, the given topic and I want to talk to you about emotional side of things because obviously you, you you must have some sort of emotional connection with NHL. Um, it's your favorite sport. Sorry, it's your favorite uh, competition. And hockey is your favorite sport, obviously. Um, how do you separate the emotional side of things, which could potentially damage your perception on a given outcome of a match, from the actual, you know, strat- strategy where you actually make money from it, rather than you know just make irrational judgments based on your emotional Perception
2: I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up uh, Jake, because that 's actually one of the things I did want to touch on is the, the the successful psychology of a sports investor and actually as as an athlete in, in general, I think the biggest dilemma that I think or the biggest challenge to uh, us as sports investors is fear and if you 've had a couple of bad beats or you get some bad luck, uh, you start to allow fear cloud into your judgment. People always want to try to recover. You know, you, you've lost uh, two bets and okay, now you're down $1,000. And mm-hmm. the psychology for me that I had to battle on, and maybe everybody on Zico is smarter than, than I am. But when I first started uh, doing this, oh, because of my competitive nature coming from, you know, being a, a high level athlete, I can't stand losing. Absolutely can't stand losing. And I would try to recoup, you know, my whatever I've lost. I would try to recoup it on the next bet. Like I would just try to get it all back, and that caused me uh, <laughs> caused me some some growing growing pains early early on. And then you know, like you'll see me post whenever I suffer uh, uh, a loss. I call it a delayed profit. And for me, it, the delayed profit is a psychological thing, because i I've, I've come to know now after. I've been doing this for whatever, seven years or so now that, you know what? I make money. I make money every month. I pull out a substantial amount of money every month. Why am I getting so frustrated over, you know what? I played an empty net play and the guy hit the goalpost and it didn't go in. So what? I've got other opportunities. There's always another game. There's always another opportunity. And you, you often hear the guys on Z-Code talk about it. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a long-term strategy. So we're playing a game, whether it's MLB, whether it's, uh, whether it's basketball, whether it's hockey, whatever it is, even esports, you are playing games that are being participated in by humans. And you know what? Humans make mistakes all the bloody time. So no matter how great your data is, no matter how comfortable, you know, how confident you feel on a play, if you if you've been around the block and you've been doing this a long time, you're going to see some crazy stuff. You're going to experience some crazy outcomes. I was just laughing about this the other day on a on a game that we played between St. Louis and Columbus. Uh, I think it was Columbus or no, it wasn't Columbus. St. Louis was the 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 team I've never seen this in all my years where a guy dumps the puck in. St. Louis was on a power play and the other team dumped the puck in 200 feet. They iced the <laughs> puck 200 feet to clear the zone. The St. Louis goalie goes out into the bloody corner and somehow loses where the hell he is and misplays the puck and the, op- the, the opposition team comes in and grabs a puck from him while he's way out of the net and just comes and wraps it around the net. <laughs> I've never seen, in all the years I've played hockey, I've never seen a, a screw-up that bad. Wow. Now, it, did that make me happy? <laughs> no. I was actually on a power play, uh, you know, on, for, I had a power play uh, investment going on with St. Louis's score, and that, that cost me $850 just watching that guy screw up in the corner now i could easily get upset and uh you know try to get aggressive but it's just like that's the part of things i mean in soccer how many times do you play for a goal to happen in the first half and it doesn't and then what happens is they start in the second half and in the 47th minute and they score i mean buggers you know why couldn't they score that goal two minutes earlier and you win like that's just part of it. You gotta know that not every play you make is going to is going to win. It's just part of it's just part of the game. But the psychology for me is I understand that I've been around long enough and I'm good enough at what I do that I know is just a delayed profit. So I don't care if I get three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, Jake, you you've experienced this obviously with tennis. That's that's a ridiculous psychological game there. That can change on on every serve. I don't even know how the hell you follow that. I, I <laughs> but the the psychology behind it is, you got to know that you are going to profit. Just trust your numbers, trust your system, whatever you're doing, whatever you're following, and do not let fear get into you. When you and it and it's tough. I've had to battle this, but I think my sports background has helped me quite a bit in that sense of. When you suffer three or four really bizarre, you know, and kinky kinky outcomes that shouldn't have happened, just like mm-hmm. weird things like the goalie, if, if I have four or five things that happen in a, in a what I call just a bad mojo night, well, <laughs> fear could easily start to get into, now when you are, I, I, I'm sure everybody's experienced this, you, you get a little gun shy. You all mm-hmm. sudden, you've made four or five plays, and now you're trying to get ultra-conservative you want to make sure that the next play you make is going to win and you're going to get your profit back. And you start what I've noticed in my own experience. I'll be watching a game, maybe it's a soccer match or a hockey thing, and I'm looking for the next goal, and I'm like, oh, I think these guys are going to score. I should put my play in now. Oh, no, there's that little hint that, you know, gee, I've lost two, three plays in a row. I'm hesitating. Boom, they score. Oh. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that where – I've thought about making a play or I'm about to make a play and a little seed of doubt or a little hesitation comes in, a little little nugget of fear and it costs me profit. Fear is the biggest thing to me that we have to eliminate. You can't be scared of making money. You can't be scared of losing money. You just have to trust that what you're doing works and that can only come from experience. And after seven years, I understand that, yes, I'm going to suffer some delays, but you know what? My numbers, my systems, they work, and I, I make money. I withdraw money every month. There's no need to get upset or no need to start distrusting a system. Um, things always just seem to work out. They always The numbers are, I guess it's like a, we, we, we term, uh, we're reverting back to a mean. So if I'm constantly winning, if I'm hitting a success rate of 70-80% on a particular system and it has a bad stretch, I know that it's going to revert to the mean. Just have to trust and not allow the fear of loss and everything to get into your, your head psychologically.
1: Exactly. Believe the system, trust the system. I think that was the psychology throughout Code since I ever since I joined back in 2013, I think it was.
3: Absolutely. You...
1: we've talked about so many, well, I suppose negative things. I was wondering what was your sort of most memorable moment, and we could steer towards something more positive this time, I suppose, and just mention your biggest win, or perhaps the one that sort of got stuck in your memory the most
2: well (laughs) uh, i'll share i'll share um i'll share this was a real a real valuable lesson for me um it's going to sound negative but turned into a to a a huge positive (laughs) the the re the reason why the reason why it was so memorable so this is going back to probably my actually you know what it was my first year of sports investing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I I've, I've got the privilege of uh, knowing a friend uh, in Edmonton who I believe at one point in time he's probably one of the largest sports investors in the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was actually running a mutual fund that uh, folks would put money into his fund. And he would manage the money, and basically all that fun, all those funds were coming. And he was basically had a a, a team of uh, computer scientists that developed algorithms, and they were monitoring sports uh, basically all day long. And every day they would give him here's the games that he should be investing in, whether it was baseball, basketball, hockey, etc. And he would be investing on average about 200 to 300,000 dollars a day. That's a lot. Wow. And he was trying to help me out because he knew I was getting into the sports investing side of things and and at that particular time my bankroll wasn't uh, wasn't very big. I just threw 20,000 dollars into Bet365 and said, "Okay, let's let's give this thing a whirl." <laughs> and he gave me a play that uh, he was basically giving me how much I should invest and what I should, you know, what I should play. And uh, so the first investment uh, went well, uh, which, okay, so you got to understand I'm new. I didn't understand a lot of this. and I'm trusting a guy who has done this for a long time, who's a a buddy. Uh, So he said, uh, okay, let's let's make sure we build your bankroll up. So one of my first investments was like uh, $2,500. So out of a $20,000 bankroll, he tells me to invest $2,500 on uh, the, new, or, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, the game won. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, that that, that worked out good. <laughs> nice, uh, <laughs> nice little, nice little bump. My my $2,500 became $5,000. I'm like, oh, this is cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The next game. Uh, I forget uh, what team it was, but it was the same thing. Uh, Bet 2,500. And uh, I I forget who we bet, but it was a basketball game and they won. And so then he says the third game, this I feel really good about. So Los Angeles Lakers, this is, uh, this is, I'm going big on this one. And uh, he said, I want you to invest $7,500. I'm like, Okay, um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. my bankroll's around $25,000. Now he wants to bet $7,500. Mm-hmm. The Lakers got slaughtered. Oh. Just slaughtered. That loss just ate me. Like, it just ate me. I saw my a big piece of my bankroll <laughs> come down, and it it also jarred me because the first two wins just happened so easy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it jarred me that like, holy smokes, this is, it, it gave me a, it gave me a, a dose of, um this is real. Like when you see your bankroll go from, you know, uh I, I don't know what the percentage is, but to go, you know, down $7,500 on one play, it was pretty significant. Mm. And I realized that I did not like, Losing, I did not like the emotional stress that it gave me. Like, I I hate losing to begin with, but let alone when somebody you know tells you that this is a lock, and uh, it wasn't even close. Like the game wasn't even close. The Lakers didn't show up. Like they they got annihilated by like 15 points or something. It was just Mm -hmm. it was just brutal. But I shared that because that gave me a couple of things that I realized. Okay, number one, I'm never ever going to bet that big a percentage of my bankroll. Number two, I'm never going to bet an amount of money that makes me feel stressful about the outcome, whether I win or lose. I mean, I go into every play expecting to win. I expect it to win. But you know what? If it doesn't, I don't care. I don't care if I lost $800, $1,000, $3,000, whatever that is now, whatever my wager is. I make sure that I don't care if that disappears or if I suffer the delayed profit. Uh-huh. That you know, it sounds like a negative, Jake, but that that one experience was so memorable to me that it really gave me a psychological shift in the aspect about I don't care how experienced or how uh, smart a person seems. We've all gotten these little tips and they all show up on Z Code every once in a while, but. The fixed match, the fixed match, this is a guaranteed, a guaranteed outcome. (laughs) Nothing, nothing in the world of sports is guaranteed. Mm. Nothing. It's funny, I was just about
1: to say to you that, you know, Maybe you should not trust a fixed. Maybe your maybe your friend was trying to sell you a fixed match of some sort. <laughs> I was just trying to turn it into a joke of you know I wasn't being serious about it. But yeah, funny you mentioned yeah. your mind steered that in that direction immediately. So I was just like, okay. <laughs>
2: No, it was, uh, I mean, I, I do, I do believe there's kinky stuff that happens in sports. I mean, I've seen it. We've all seen it. Um, mm. uh, soccer, I, 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 you brought it up in the, in the aspect that we were talking about. Uh, like to me, uh, uh, soccer is a real easy match to fix, but I think tennis is even easier because, like you said, the guy just misses a serve, double faults, pulls up with an injury, can't continue. You know, I think the money, I don't, <sighs> I don't know how prevalent it is, but I know, I know it's there. Like there's just so much money in sports investing and there's just so much corruption between organized crime, between syndicates. And, you know, um, that's to me, I think one of the reasons why I've always been kind of um, drawn towards live play because, you know, the live play opportunities, y- you are kind of uh, responsible for the outcome in the sense of, I could be playing the next goal on a fixed match that I don't even know about, but I'm just looking for the next goal. I'm just looking for, you know, I don't care who wins or loses. Um, I'm just looking for those type of outcomes.
1: Exactly, and those outcomes they tend to come relatively quickly because you're betting on something that's going to happen within the next, let's just say, quarter, fifteen, twenty Absolutely. minutes, for example. You're not waiting entire ninety minutes for the match to end so that your wager can win. Absolutely. And this is Probably the main reason why I love life betting because you can make quick money very quickly, obviously lose money very quickly too, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're as you said we're investors we're not uh, we're not here to blow our bank rules on a single play, and we make sure that the next play is gonna be a good one, and if it's not it's not a it's not something to be worried about because we no, do I, have I, that I, sort of long long term mentality.
2: No, absolutely. You know, you take a look at uh, there's, you know, there's there's guys who've been been around uh, been around uh, for for quite a while. and There's a lot of great systems. To me, you know, like like I'm I'm, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely thankful and just staggered by technology. I mean, I take a look at uh, the the other day. I mean, I I still work out uh, every day. I still stay in shape quite a bit and. When I get to the gym, I'm usually doing about uh, 45 minutes uh, cardio on the treadmill, and that's one of my more profitable times. It's it's crazy. I'm at a gym, looking at a mobile device in Vancouver, B.C., using a sports book in the United Kingdom, betting on a soccer game in the United Arab Emirates, playing another match in Turkey, and making money. Like it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. To think about the opportunities that are available to us, and here we are. Like this is, I've seen how my sports investing style and the opportunities available have evolved radically over the last five years. Where are we going to be in the next five years? That's the interesting thing to me. You know, what the heck am I going to be investing in? Uh, How am I going to be investing? Um, I take at you know, the, the types of investment change also in the aspect about how the sports books work. Like I know Bet365, they've changed how I've had to play my empty net systems because I think I've alerted them to maybe an opportunity that might have been uh, some some types of investments that maybe weren't being played very frequently within them. Mm-hmm. and i used to i used to be able to make that play for the next team to score all the way down to the 3 minute mark now it has to be made by the 4 minute mark mm-hmm. that extra minute makes a big difference a huge difference in terms of what happens if a penalty happens in that that last uh, time time period that could really screw up your play so i i, I can't tell you how many times i've made a play right at the four minute mark and then all of a sudden in the next fifteen seconds the team that I want to score the empty net goal gets a penalty.
3: Mm.
2: That screws my play up. If I had that extra minute, I could have avoided that situation. So you know these these books they're very smart. They've got algorithms that monitor and they make adjustments. So I share my systems here and I share them because I want the folks on Zico to have opportunity to succeed like I have, but I know I also share them with a bit of a risk that some of the things I'm sharing with you might actually cost me money because their algorithms if all of a sudden a whole bunch of people from Zico start playing and start having success, I've already seen how things have changed year over year they mm-hmm. could actually change change again, but I feel comfortable enough that I'll be able to adapt to that mm-hmm. Um, Another live play system that uh, I was going to share because it's coming up is football. So you got NFL football and CFL football. Mm -hmm. The CFL football, I've developed a live play strategy there based on the next point scored. And in CFL, they're either going to be a touchdown, a field goal, or what they call other. In the CFL, if a team punts and the ball rolls into the end zone and the team doesn't run it out, they give up what's called, they concede a single point. So that falls under the other. It's a little frustrating because you don't have that in the NFL. Uh, In the CFL, a lot of times I'm making a play for a team to maybe score on a field goal, the kicker misses a field goal, and the team just doesn't run the ball out the end zone and you get, they give up a single point, you lose your play because of that stupid little single point. But the odds are so good. Um, The odds, a lot of times I will play in the CFL. It's a very uh, offensive league where teams score touchdowns. Touchdowns are the more frequent form of points being scored. So you can play a progression. The odds to score a touchdown are always at two the field goal is usually at 2.30, and the other is usually around 3.50. So you can make a play for the next points to be scored in the CFL game to be a touchdown, and you get nice odds at 2.0. If you lose, you can play a progression, and when you're getting odds at two or 2.30, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take very long to recoup any blinks because the odds are so good um the cfl is a is a lot different league in the aspect of how you can make live play versus uh nfl on bet 365 so on cfl let's just say we got open a kickoff the kickoff the team kicks the ball the team who receives the ball the maybe they do a fair catch or maybe they run it back five ten yards and then they get tackled you have to make your play right there right on that first possession with uh with the nfl the the live play opportunities are live so you can actually follow an nfl team all the way up all the way back etc so just knowing that on the cfl when you make your play you have to make it as soon as the team gets possession and if once they go uh once they start that first down your betting options will suspend until the possession is either either the score, the punt, or whatever, until the next uh, turnover. It's a a little bit bit more restrictive in terms of what uh, the offering is on NFL. I love playing NFL, same type of of strategy, but with NFL, the odds are much lower than what they're giving you on uh, on CFL. So A lot of times, I will play a team to make the next score. Uh, The odds are usually in the neighborhood of 160 to 180, um the nfl if you're playing that uh, it, with nfl a lot of times I, I like to try to get the next point scored as a field goal instead of a touchdown because the field goals in the nfl are usually down around the odds of 1.40 140 that's uh those aren't too attractive i, I always try to make sure that i'm finding value in my live play stuff and i'm trying to hit odds usually in the neighborhood of 180 and up
1: okay um so you've mentioned many many systems to us and I'm really happy that you did. <laughs> um, I was just wondering if you could tell us if, the, if you're working on something at the moment. You did mention, uh, you know, the open net uh, system that you're sort of expanding to different leagues as well. Is that is that the next plan for you, or is there any other system that you're working on, maybe for MLB?
2: Um, with uh, with MLB, yeah, with MLB, I call it the, I call it the schlub system. <laughs> now, the the, the schlub system is, like I said, I've got I've got a real love-hate relationship with MLB that, that stems to my early days where I can't stand MLB where all of a sudden you, your team could look like you're in control, you you're, you're, you're might be up two, three runs, and then all of a sudden the relief pitcher comes in. The guy's got one job. Come in there and throw an inning, get three guys out, and you get out of there with the win. I can't tell you how many times I've lost a, uh, a money line play in ML, MLB because they bring in what I call the schlub. The schlub yeah. comes in and he throws up a bunch of melons and next thing you know, there's four or five runs that get cranked out and you lose your play. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stop playing for the, you know, the money line outcome and I'm going to take a look at when the schlubs come in and I'm going to play an over total because I expect this guy to come in and get lit up and give up one or two runs. So that, that's kind of my my next thing I've been working on. I, I've been experimenting with it a little bit last year, and I'm going to fine tune it more this year. But uh, so you can stay tuned for me, probably come up with something called the schlub system. <laughs> It'll be based on that, bad relief pitchers.
1: And it's funny that you mentioned it because uh, based on my perception, these schlubs usually come in at the very very end of the match. So we're talking last inning. He has one job, just to you know finish the game, go home. Kiss your wife goodbye, and that's it. They come in and they give up five, six runs, and all of a sudden the whole match has turned around. And
2: <laughs> Absolutely, that's why uh. he's called the schlub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other, the other thing that I've been, uh, I've been monitoring as well is uh, uh, a soccer shootout system, and. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys on Z Code will we'll start dissecting this because uh, that's just the way they are. There's a bunch of guys who have access <laughs> to amazing data. Is I've found and I've heard that when teams go into the shootout, I've heard that the advantage, the probability of a win goes to the team who scores first. Now, obviously, this is not 100%. It's not uh, something set in stone. That's mm-hmm. monitoring this with with higher profile leagues. And I have found with, uh, because I don't know when all these matches are, so I, I, they just show up on my, on my, uh, the games that I'm monitoring in my live play. And the games that I have been watching and playing, I have noticed that the teams that have scored first have won a greater percentage. It's not always been, you know, 100%, but uh, I'm going to say that it's probably, looking like it's been about out of the limited data that I've, I've garnered so far it's probably been about a hit rate of around 70 percent that the team has scored first has won the shootout so i just recently made a play on on this where i was watching both teams so both teams missed the first penalty kick and then the team that did score first the other team scored first or sorry the other team scored after that and then they just kind of went back and forth until finally the the team that didn't score first missed their penalty kick, and uh, I, I want to play. So I, I am experimenting with that. I, I don't know uh, how frequent or you know how many of these matches are going to show up, uh, but I know that there's a lot of cup matches and a lot of things that... Um, um, uh, which Sorry, which I actually forget uh, leads me into one of the other systems before it gets into the, the shootout is in soccer uh, a lot of these cup matches when they go into ot i will play the total for goal scored in the extra time period to go over over point basically over one that somebody is going to score a goal in uh, in the extra time the odds that uh, most matches seem to start off at for that are, are usually about 160 so usually you usually have to wait uh, about five minutes and then the odds get to 180, and that's when I make a play. Uh, I'm always looking for value in my in my live place. I always wait to, for odds to be, you know, 180. I'm trying to look for odds of 180 and above. And uh, I find that a lot of the matches, um, uh, I find that a lot of the matches get uh, get settled in that in that extra time. Mm-hmm. For the ones that don't, that's why I've been kind of looking at, uh, well, can we find any edge in the shootouts? and that's where I'm experimenting uh, with the shootout system.
1: Okay. So you did mention uh, it's over one goal. So we're talking about a two-way market here. Uh
2: so it's yeah the 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 op- the opportunity that you'll see on bet365 is like over 0.5 in the extra time.
1: Okay, okay, I got you.
2: So you just you just need one goal to uh, to win
1: there's so many questions people constantly ask about you know can i use this in the us can what bookmaker do i need uh, for live betting and i just um, well it seems like all of them are shit basically in my opinion <laughs> I, I live in i live in ireland i'm a, i'm based here and you know the variety of bookmakers that i have sadly pinnacle left recently Uh, They left uh, due to some taxation reasons, but, you know, I I can open a book, I can open an account with Bet365 and Betfair and all these different bookmakers. So So you've lost
2: access access to Pinnacle?
1: Uh, Pinnacle left Ireland and UK recently due to tax reasons. Oh, wow. Because uh, they were giving so much juice that, um, uh, you know, Basically, the governments have decided to raise taxes by 100% on bookmakers. And wow. because of uh, the amount of juice that Pinnacle were offering, they couldn't stay in business in, on the islands, so they left.
2: So, But you have access to Bet365?
1: Yes, we do. And it's like the unlimited one on like the Aussies who have to make a phone call <laughs> to the operator and place the bets week. It's just like you. Basically, you can bet life. No, no, yeah. so no limits.
2: No, that's you know. I mean, the books. Uh, I've had you know I've had a great experience with uh, with Pinnacle, with uh, uh, with Bet365. Um, you know, the, the we've only had one, really one bad experience with the book called uh, Sports Interaction. But uh, I got to say, you know, I know Bet365. Uh, might not give as great odds as some of the books out there, but and, and obviously this isn't a plug for a book or anything, but it's just my own personal experience. They've been so upstanding with me, like so upstanding with me in the sense of there was one time uh, I made a a you know a, a play on a mobile device where I thought I was making a play for a thousand dollars, and it was ten thousand by accident. I realized it right away because I took a look and I saw, you know, the amount of my bankroll change. I was like, what the hell is that? And the game was actually going on. It was a, it was a KHL hockey game. And I made a play, um, forget who it was. I think it was like SKA to to win in overtime. And so I phoned up got through right, right away through customer service and they, uh, they walked, walk, you know, they, the gal actually escalated the matter from, you know, the telemarketer person that I was talking to, to a manager and, uh, explained to him what happened and they didn't have to, um, you know, say we're going to, you know, we're going to avoid that bet. They basically, they voided the bet except for the thousand, what, you know, the original intention was mm-hmm. and, uh, my play lost. So they wow. were totally, totally honorable, you know, in, uh, in, in that sense. And then just recently I had another experience where I was playing an Aussie A-League game and because of the time zone difference, like for me playing the Aussie A-League games are usually around two in the morning. And uh, I made a play on the first half plane at one. So once at one, I, I relaxed and, you know, I'm sitting there in my chair and I was watching sports highlights on TV and I fell asleep. But I fell asleep with the game open. And somehow, Jake, I have no idea how the hell I did this, but somehow I made a play that by touching buttons on my phone, I put 5,000 bucks on a play that uh, this team was going to score the next, like there's only about three minutes left in the match. Oh, wow. That, that I'd put $5,000 on this team to score the next goal. I mean, if I won, my payout would have been something like $46,000. But, (laughs) You know, I, I saw that and I was like, what? The, I didn't do this. So I phoned up to Bet365 and I'd tell them what happened. And at first the gal said, sorry, there's nothing you can do. You know, there's too, been too much time, you know, gone into that market. I said, look, lady, I just woke up. I'm sitting here. You know, I know I didn't make this play. It didn't happen. You can take a look at my history. I don't make plays this late in the match for, you know, for $5,000. Give me a break. You got my history. You know what I do. So... <laughs> It's a, le- it's a lesson in, in persistence. She originally said there's nothing she could do. Then I said, give me a manager. The manager comes on the phone. I explained to him what happened. And he says, well, okay, let me take a look. So he, he goes and he goes, yeah, you know what, you're right. I can tell by your history that you don't normally make this type of play. But he said, uh, you know, I can refund you in a bet credit. How about I give you a $1,000 back? So instead of losing five, he's saying, you know, you lose four. I'm like, guys, look, you know, I've been with you a long time. That's not really cool. I know the, you know, like I know I got to take some responsibility here. I fell asleep and my fat fingers did this, but I mean, how would you feel if this happened to you? This is not a valid play. I did not knowingly do this. So the guy goes away, leaves me on hold for 10 minutes. And I guess he spoke to another. So they come back and they say, you know what, mister, you are absolutely right. Um, you don't normally do this. We see when the play went in, how quickly you notified us. And we understand that, you know, accidents happen. We can't fully void your bet, but how about we refund your $5,000 in a bet credit? And I'm like, you know what? Wow. That's, that's more than honorable. So. You know, you, the, you you still, by getting in the bet credit, you know how that works, right? Like, you know, when you use that money, when you make a play, you don't win a total, you just win the profit. It's not mm-hmm. the total amount that goes through, but still, like, they could have screwed me and said, hey, tough titty, you know, you lost your 5K, but they gave me a credit, and I managed to work through the credit and keep winning.
1: Mm-hmm. And especially in bet 365, the credit is actually sort of favorable for you. Because uh, some bookmakers have ridiculous rollovers so of 10,000 times yeah. your money. So you're looking at, uh, a, on top of your $200, you're looking at a 10,000 time rollover. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's like, going to be something I, ridiculous I see, I, that you will never achieve.
2: No, absolutely. Like, they, they've been very honorable. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand. Uh, I mean,. I, I don't know. I've been doing this for a long time. I don't know and, uh, how you see these guys say, I just open up an account and I'm already limited, you know, they're doing this. like I mean, I throw some big money around. Uh, I've never had anybody uh, limit me. Hmm. But, uh, what about yourself? Have you experienced anything like that?
1: Uh, I have been limited with William Hill, with Ladbrokes not with bet365 personally and I was always pushing for it but then
2: what uh, what would have william hill
1: oh he just uh, said that uh, it's one of the worst bookmakers because they limit people and i don't think it's generally true they are, they do have possibly the best customer service and yeah. if you if you go somewhere else like Marathon bet for example <laughs> and you make a mistake they will just uh, look at you and basically laugh <laughs> They will <laughs> laugh at the face and, uh, <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
1: and start ordering the the uh, the ladies for the office <laughs> and then and celebrating and getting the balloons and everything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for for a guy like me who pulls out, you know, the amount of money that I do I uh, I pull out money from Bet three six five probably well, once once every Thirty to forty days. You know, I don't, I don't. know if it's really once a month, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's usually with every between every thirty to forty-five days, I'm, I'm pulling out money from Bet365. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they easily could have uh, easily could have jammed me that ten thousand dollars or that five thousand dollars. And uh, they've been nothing but honorable.
1: And uh, yeah, my experience with Bet365 it would be pretty much the same. And I think you do get a lot of bonuses from them as well, just as a you know, the longer you are with them, and yeah. the more you bet, they do tend to reward their
2: customers. Well, every every week I, like... I find I find it hilarious. I mean, like uh, just last just last week I, I withdrew seventeen thousand dollars from them, mm-hmm. and here it is every Wednesday they send me a hundred bucks. <laughs> <Yeah. just> like, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's,
1: no other bookmaker does that, and I can tell you that even you know I've had accounts that multiple different ones and I'd say Bet365 are the best for for those bonuses.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
2: I
1: won't hold you back because I'm sure your day is quite busy today. So I was uh, just going to move on to the last question and just ask you about uh, what sort of plans do you have for 2019? Are you working on anything specific right now?
2: uh, For 2019, um, well, I mean, basically the for me, it's just kind of getting into uh, CFL season, uh, CFL season, and MLB. So I'll be, I'll be looking at uh, trying to refine my schlub system and <laughs> uh, roll in rolling football. Actually, it, to me, it's, it's very exciting because MLS is starting up now. So mm-hmm. MLS is one of my uh, favorite soccer leagues. My uh, my son loves a lot of the soccer games, and uh, he he kind of got me turned on to that league. And uh, you know the MLS is a a great league for goals. Um, There's a lot of first half goals, similar to Australia. There's a lot of first half goals, and in the second half, uh, usually if a game is tied 1-1 or if her team is leading, you know by a goal, usually in the last 20 minutes there's a a lot of goals that happen. Actually, in the last 10 minutes of MLS matches, there's usually a lot of goals. So it's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. leagues. So. That's a, that's a league that I'll be gearing up for, so CFL, MLB, and uh, MLS, and uh, hockey playoffs.
1: All right, so that's, that's settled. We're going to be seeing you within Z-Code, and I'm really excited that we managed to get this podcast done. Thank you so much for your time, Omega, and I'm going to see you around.
2: Oh, thank, thank you so much, Jake, and uh, like I always like to say to everybody, uh, good mojo. We can all use good mojo on our side.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for letting us do it. And I'm I'm sure we should be able to get it done within the next uh, sort of week.
2: Oh, no, see. no, my my pleasure. It's so uh, just let me.
1: <laughs> thank you. All the best, my friend.
2: Thank you for listening to our Z-Code
0: Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.